0: Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate inspire empower and educate people on these interesting topics my background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology after completing both my ba in psychology and my mba in healthcare administration my passion for mental health only continued to grow as a result of this i launched master your mental to bring more awareness tips and conversations to the table about these topics You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at Master Your Mental. Now, let's get into the episode, guys. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode number two of season two of the Master Your Mental podcast. I'm super excited about this episode, you guys. And as you can see from the title, importance of mental health convos. I am going to be getting into this very topic today with a special guest of mine. I'm not going to introduce you to him yet because he will be on in a minute or two and he's going to introduce himself and all the awesome stuff that he is doing, the incredible work that he is doing for the world of mental health. But I just wanted to chat with you guys a little bit before the episode to kind of let you know what we're getting into today in this one and what to expect and take away from this episode. So just like the title, we're going to be talking about why is it important to have conversations on mental health? How do you get into those conversations? What does that look like? What does stigma associated with struggling with your mental health look like? And, you know, it's pretty, a pretty good episode because, you know, both of me, both me and my guest today, we are hosts, right? So I host this podcast and my guest also is the host of another show. And both of us have also struggled with our mental health and have nothing holding us back from opening up about that, being vulnerable about that. And that's really what I love about my guest this week, you guys, is he's such an awesome dude and he comes on here and he, we really get into this conversation of how to start having more of these conversations in a way that is, you know, a bit more positive because something about mental health is it's not always something that everybody wants to get into. You know, sometimes people don't feel comfortable having these conversations. They don't know how to start them. They don't know how to get into them. You know, if they are dealing with things on, in, inside of themselves in terms of struggling with mental health, struggling with these different things and not really sure how to get into that conversation, who to go to, how to express that. So we really highlight a lot of key things in terms of resources and support and, you know, what that looks like in terms of community and, you know, getting out and actually, you know, forming relationships with people who relate to the things that we're talking about here. So I really love this conversation and I hope that you guys enjoy it just as much as I've enjoyed putting it together because You guys know that this is my favorite topic to get into. You know, of course, the show is literally called the Master Your Mental Podcast. So, Of course, you can expect me to want to talk about mental health and mindset and how those two things are intertwined and related and all those key things. So we get into that this week on this episode right here that you are about to listen to starting right now. Let's get into it, guys hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the master your mental podcast i'm super excited today you guys because i got kyle here kyle kittleson did i pronounce your your name right
1: you got it kyle, kyle kittleson, yeah. kittleson
0: is here with us today you guys he is the host of MedCircle, which is an awesome mental health YouTube channel, I will be sure to link down here below for you guys to check it out, brings such engaging interviews with world-class psychiatrists and psychologists each week. And that's actually how I found Kyle for the podcast, because I was actually watching one of his videos that someone posted in a group that I'm in. So I'm excited to have him here today to talk more about MedCircle, what he's doing, the kind of work he's getting into and all things like that. So Kyle, thank you so much for being here and making the time to come out on the show today.
1: Thank you. This is so great.
0: Yes. So tell us just a little bit more about yourself. Like, what do you do? How did you get into the work that you do with MedCircle?
1: Well, I uh, was living in Los Angeles, actually, and I was mostly working with animals on camera. And MedCircle hired me as a contractor to interview a handful of doctors. And one of them was Dr. Ramani Dervasala who is a clinical psychologist and MedCircle certified educator now. And I showed up, you know, to do the interview and I thought, oh, well, she was a nice woman and we did the interview and I was like, that was really interesting. And I thought, well, I'll never see MedCircle again. And then the video went to like 9 million views when they posted it on their YouTube channel, which at the time had, you know, four subscribers. And it really launched Med Circle into the digital mental health educational space. And we did more videos and Med Circle hired me full time. And last year I took on a more strategic leadership role with my partner, uh, Bridget. And now her and I um, essentially Run Med Circle, but I also maintain my position as the host of Med Circle, which allows me to interview, like you mentioned, the psychologists and psychiatrists on a variety of mental health topics. But it also gives me the privilege of interviewing survivors of mental health people who have lived with extraordinary circumstances and learned a lot. And they share those lessons on our channel and within our membership. Um, or to our to our members. And I think that is we really rely on doctors a lot. And they're so important. They have the education, but there's so much to learn from somebody who's just been there. I mean, that is so powerful, you know,
0: Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I just really fell in love with that because the work that you're doing is, it's really important, you know, to feature these conversations. And like you said, you know, it's great to have, you know, the insight from the doctors and therapists, but also on the other end to have people who've lived through this stuff, you know, who Mm -hmm. have been, you know, like myself, you know, been hospitalized at 19 and then came out and then went to work at the same clinic. And just to kind of hear that insight, I feel like is so valuable because, you know, sometimes when you get into these like really like so medical fo- focus conversations, it's kind of hard to like digest, digest it all and take it all in. But when yes. it's just, you know, one-on-one with someone who's like, Hey, you know, I, you know, was diagnosed with depression or anxiety or bipolar schizophrenia. and like, here's a little bit about my experience. And I feel like it really kind of helps us to connect on a deeper level with these kinds of things. Cause I feel like sometimes like not everybody may know what that's like, you know, to live with schizophrenia or what is, what is your daily life? Yeah. So I would love to ask you. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was going to say last month um, was Mental Health Month in 2021, and Med Circle really featured a lot of mental health survivors. And they, I asked them all a question, you know, what was the core part of your recovery? And they all alluded to treatment, and a lot of them alluded to medication. Um, they all alluded to getting educated as being a catalyst. But then they all really landed on community. They all landed on finding people, whether it was online or in person, that were going through something similar to them. Because when you are, especially, let's say you developed a mental health, some, some, stru- some difficult mental health symptoms during COVID, and you can't find that per- those people in person, you go online. And what these and, and I, I call them kids because they we, we interviewed like all these influencers, like TikTokers and YouTubers and stuff. But they all felt alone until they went online and realized, oh my gosh, there's tons of people going through something similar. I always wow. say everyone's experience is unique, but what you're going through, someone else has already done it. You know, like, no, I love that, a experience, <laughs> but like your divorce. Yeah. You and everyone else, that terrible relationship. Oh my gosh. You and everybody else, that kid who yelled at your child who you love more than anything, just yelled at you today. I know get in line. You know how many (laughs) parents have had their kids yell at them? So I'm not discounting your experience. Of course. Oh my gosh. That's, that's hard. That's a struggle, but do not think for a second that this is some unique thing that's just happening to you. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that you bring that up. And especially like the component of community, like you just said is, that's huge, you know, and and just for me in terms of myself and my story, I know that to be true for myself. You know, when you talk about the different things that you brought up, you know, like medication therapy and recovery and all these pieces that really play such a big role in that, um, that's probably one of the biggest ones for me is just that community piece and, you know, being able to, especially during COVID, right. When, you know, you can't just like everything, you know, like you can't just go out and, into the world and you know do these things all the time so the internet is a great place to really connect with those kinds of people right and say hey you know here's a group that i found of other people mm. who have also had this diagnosis or you know mm-hmm. here's a tiktok channel where someone is literally making videos um and like showing their experience and i just think it's so great to have that because you know it is pretty easy to start to feel like you're alone with these with these things that you're experiencing if you don't have you know, that support system or that community. So, and I feel like that's, that's why I love that you bring up, you know, featuring that and really featuring that during, you know, mental health awareness month and having that be like a staple for you guys is like bringing in these, you know, like you say, kids, you know, or like they're they're bringing, they're coming on and sharing their experiences and their stories, because I feel like that's so valuable just because, you know, I can tell you right now, like, when I was 16, 17, 18 and 19, I would have loved to have something like what you, what you guys have done and put together where I can go on and watch a video and oh, see an wouldn't interview. You?
1: <laughs> Look, I was diagnosed with depression when I was nine years old. And I have been to many therapists, many doctors, many psychologists, many psychiatrists. And it wasn't until I started working at MedCircle that I even learned what cognitive behavioral therapy was. How am I in therapy since the age of nine and not one person thought to say, hey, have you ever thought about how your thoughts, feelings and behaviors are connected? Right. I mean, and maybe I was in cognitive behavioral therapy but I didn't know, you know? And so I'm like, let's get the patients on board with what we are doing. And when I, so, and when I started with MedCircle, I was like, okay, so what is this company again? Like you guys do mental health education. Oh my gosh, that sounds so boring. God, who wants to sit here and learn about depression? And they go, we well, just try it. And I was like, this is, this is the, this was the mis- missing piece. I was put on Prozac when I was nine years old. I've been in therapy. But unless you are learning about all of this, and it's not just learning about depression or learning about cognitive behavioral therapy, it's learning about self sabotage, it's learning about your cognitive distortions, it's learning about how you are not your thoughts, I mean, it's learning all of these concepts that are based in psychology that are backed by science, and it's not treatment, it's not therapy, it's education but the reason people say knowledge is power is because it is. Mental health is designed to make you feel powerless. I mean, when I say mental health, like mental health struggles, the disorders. I mean, if you're out Mm -hmm. there living with depression, you know what that feels like. It feels hopeless. Help. I mean, you just feel sunk to the bottom of the ocean. If you're living with bipolar disorder, a personality disorder, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you feel powerless. Getting yeah. educated gives you your power back. And so yeah. when I realize that med circle gives you this trustworthy credentialed education from the best and you get your power back, oh my gosh, your therapy <laughs> works better. Your relationships get better. Your mind feels clearer because you know what's going on. Uh, I just got I a love new it. psychiatrist. Okay. Like after COVID because I moved and whatever. And so I need a new psychiatrist. And through the whole onboarding process with this um, this uh, psychiatrist, there's so many questions and so many forms, but because I'm educated now, and, and granted, look, I'm the host at MedCircle, so I, I have like a, 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 an intense education because I'm in every <laughs> single video, right? I've asked every question I've ever wanted to ask about mental health, but I'm so educated on the process, it was very much a collaborative onboarding rather than that place that I'm normally, or that I had been in the past. When I go see a new doctor, I'm like, well, I'm at your mercy. What do I do? Like, I'm just letting you completely lead here. And that's okay too. If someone wants to do that, but I really enjoy knowing what's going on in my own therapy and my own recovery.
0: A hundred percent. I love how you bring up that collaborative piece and also the self self self-sabotage as well, because you you said a point that just like really hit home for me like when we're talking about men- mental health struggles you know like they so much of these conversations that i've noticed is tend to be very negative you know like we focus on okay this isn't working you know i've tried all these meds my you know i've gone to all these therapists you know i've done all these treatments and all this stuff nothing's working i feel stuck i feel and you like you said you know when you you experience it you feel it you know you know what it's like to be depressed you know what it's like to you know, be bipolar and not, and like have days where, you know, you're, you feel super productive, you're getting all this stuff done. And then days where you don't even want to get up or do anything. So it's like, we know what it's like, but I think what you do that it's so amazing is that you really draw attention to not only that, but also like the resources that go along with that and like how people can gain access to that. Cause I feel like that's another thing too, that I noticed, um, with mental health is sometimes it is challenging, like to find, you know, someone that you connect with, like you said, when you're going through the process of onboarding, like with the new doctor and you're feeling like, uh, you know, what do I do? And it's pretty much like they're, they'll ask you the questions and you'll answer the questions. But I, I think that's a really good piece you bring up of like collaborating and like wanting to do it together. So that way, you know, not only is it like an easier transition into like a new, uh, building this new relationship with the person that you're working Mm -hmm. with, but they also start to kind of get to know you a lot better through doing it together. So like, I'd love to ask you like, in terms of like self-sabotage, like what has been the most helpful piece of advice or anything that you, or even in, in yourself that you found in terms of like overcoming that and like defeating that to really start to move forward in, um, when you were struggling?
1: Um, wow. <laughs> well, here's, oh man, here's, here's one thing that I will, uh, say that really came from med circle is I I'm not a doctor. Okay, so I'm sure there's actual studies on this. But what I've gathered, at least for me is that I have two types of self sabotage, I have the self sabotage, I'm very aware of, right? It's Monday night, I should get to bed early. But that show is just so good. So I'm gonna watch one more episode. And I'm gonna be tired tomorrow. That is a form of self sabotage for me. But I know I know what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm sacrificing sleep to watch this show. Um, You know, I, every Monday I start a new health and diet regimen. Right. And when I drink my diet Coke at Tuesday morning at 8 AM, I'm like, ah, well, I'm not really being healthy right now. That's a form of self-sabotage, but I'm really aware of it. The subconscious self-sabotage is the second bucket that I'm much more fascinated in or fascinated with. And I did an interview with Dr. Romney, who I mentioned at the top of this interview, and a hypnotherapist named Grace Smith. And we did a three-part series. I think that is free on YouTube, actually. So you can watch it uh, for free on YouTube. Um, All on the subconscious and subconscious self-sabotage. And one thing that came out in that discussion was that I, I always leave the house looking like a mess, wrinkled shirts, wrinkled shorts, just hoodie. I, I don't make I don't make a lot of effort to present uh, nicely when I go out, like I just grab my dog and we go and whatever. And we started to talk about why that is. And of course, if you just at surface level, you go, well, you know, clothes are meant to be comfortable and I don't care. I'm, I'm above the, you know, ridiculous shallowness that's that goes into making yourself look a certain way. Well, you keep digging a little bit and then you realize if you have this core belief that you're not going to find the love of your life or you're unlovable or you're or you're not destined to be in a happy, meaningful relationship. Well, that subconscious self-sabotage becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so that if I go out to the grocery store looking like a slob and nobody comes up to me and says, hey, you look like a great guy. Uh, What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And there's there's no uh, interactions. I can say, I can say, well, of course, because I look like a slob, protecting myself from not from being because if I look my best and go to the grocery store, and I'm trying to connect with somebody, and they're like, not interested, I go, man, I was at my best, and they're not interested. I'm the issue. But if I look my worst, and nobody connects with me, I'm like, Oh, that's because I look my worst. So it's this protective mechanism that I maybe walk through the world in to protect myself and also fulfill this prophecy that i'm going to be alone if if that is all true and you're doing that subconsciously oh my gosh you have no control over it so i hate the word awareness when people say oh we got to bring awareness to this issue i go who cares <laughs> awareness <Yeah. laughs> if you're getting punched in the head and you're aware of it you're still getting punched in the head but in this case awareness i think is directly tied with action mm-hmm. and so as soon as you're aware of oh am I not taking care of myself because I have self-esteem issues and you start asking yourself that question and answer it honestly, you you might be able to start to make some positive changes in that way. And so I think that's when you ask like, what's the biggest piece of advice is looking at, we all know the things we should be doing better, but what about the things we don't know we're doing wrong? Mm. Those are the things in our life that are really fascinating to me. And MedCircle has, uncovered a lot of those in my own life.
0: Wow. I, I just find that so fascinating as well, because when you just broke that down right there, you know, in terms of the subconscious, right. And like you said, you, there's things that we do that we know we're doing that it's not helping yeah. us. And we, we know this, but then there's also the other things that you mentioned, you know, when you dress a certain way or you leave the house like this and then, and then using that almost as like a, like you said, defense protective mechanism to say, okay, well, you know, if I went out today to the grocery store and someone didn't, want to talk to me, it's because I didn't look good, you know, and it's, and it's like, and we all do this, you know, and I, I think I'm really fascinated by that too. Like, I would like to know if you like, what kinds of things, um, have been helpful for you in terms of really like making the subconscious conscious and like making it more gaining, I guess, more awareness of that piece that isn't conscious.
1: Well, there's a therapy that I learned called acceptance and commitment therapy, and it's an offshoot of cognitive behavioral therapy. And and when you start learning about mental health, you realize really quickly CBT is considered the gold standard for a lot of uh, treatment modalities. And ACT is uh, acceptance and commitment therapy is an offshoot of that. But what I like about acceptance and commitment therapy is that it pulls from CBT, but it also pulls from Eastern philosophies and really utilizes mindfulness. And one component is, that ACT drives home is that you are not your thoughts. And I know we've probably all heard this and we can go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But if let's just think about that. If, if you are not your thoughts, you really believe that. Cause I can think right now, um, oh my gosh, Uh, uh, she hates me right now. This podcast is going so bad. She's so regretting that she brought me on her her podcast. Okay, maybe you are thinking that, but I don't know that, okay? So I can have this thought, and that doesn't mean it's true. It is just a mental event. And to really understand that, Dr. Judy Ho, who's a triple board certified forensic and neuropsychologist and one of our MedCircle certified educators, she drove this point home with this example, that when you have a thought that you're aware of, and most of our thoughts we're not aware of, but when you have one that you're aware of, put this prefix in front of it. I am having the thought that this podcast interview is going terribly. I am having the thought that she has regretted bringing me on her podcast. It separates you from the thought. It separates you. You're not attached to it because if you don't have that awareness, then you go, God, she she hates that I'm on my podcast. You believe it's true. You start stressing, you get anxious, you try to, but it might not even be true. So when you have that thought go, okay, I'm having the thought that this person's angry with me or that this person's mad with me. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I'm just having this mental event and it's separate from me. So I don't have to let this separate event affect how I feel, what I do, et cetera. And that doesn't mean every thought is false, but it forces you to look at every thought as a separate entity from yourself. Because how many times do you go on Instagram and you're like, God, I'm not as attractive as them. I don't have as much money as them. I don't have as many friends as them. Man, I I wish my parents would do that for me, whatever. Those are all mental events. That may or may not have nothing to do with you. But at right now, they're just a mental event separate from you. Understanding that really gives you peace. Because yeah. even today, something bad is going to happen to everybody listening, right? Like it might not be really bad, but something kind of bad will happen. Mm-hmm. When that happens and you have that thought, then just reframe it. I am having wow. the thought that my spouse is angry with me. You That's know, so
0: powerful. Like I just, I love how you did just broke that down, like in terms of like that little exercise right there, like having this thought, but then putting the words, I am having this thought about this thing in front of it, because yeah. that's something that I can tell you, honestly, like out of everything I've done, like the most helpful thing for me, like what you talk about with mindfulness is, is doing that right. Is becoming mm-hmm. more aware. And, I, and like you mentioned too, like so many of the thoughts we have, we aren't aware of them, um, but the ones that we are aware of and we're aware of it, right? Like we have this thought, like I can give you an example, you know, going to the gym and saying, oh man, like I should have worked out an extra day this week and I didn't. And then you beat yourself up about it. And it's like, instead of doing that, you know, what can we do to change this, to start to celebrate ourselves more instead of, you know, holding ourselves to the standard of we're always chasing this next best, best thing. Like you said, when you're on Instagram and you're scrolling through and you're like looking, you're like, oh, this, you know, this person's doing this and, you know, they're going here and they're doing all these things. And then I want to do that, but I don't think I can, I don't think I ever will. And then these thoughts start to set in and it's like, wow, like it just all happens so quickly. And it's like, what if we could reframe that from, you know, almost like this flooding of like negativity in terms of our own self-worth or our own self in comparison to someone else. What if we could like flip that and make that flood more of a positivity kind of thing where we're like, Oh, like I'm, you know, I'm so proud of myself. I did this today. Or I went to the gym today.
1: Sure. And look, I'm all for that. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes, uh, Celebrate yourself. But here's the other, here's the other part of that. Yeah. I, now it's a kind of common phrase, but this phrase toxic positivity. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh yeah.
1: You're also allowed not to be happy. You're allowed not, you're allowed to have negative thoughts. This, this idea that we should always be chronically happy and we can't have any negative thoughts personally, I think is ridiculous. Oh yeah. Who who is that person? I know. I mean, they, they do not exist. They do not exist. And so I think we, as, as much as we should be promoting and encouraging people to have positive self-talk and a great attitude and great mindset, you know what, honey? It's also fine to just put your hands in your face and go, this sucks. Yeah. Because sometimes things suck. Those feelings are also valid. The, yes. the, the key though is I think, because as someone who really struggles with depression and, and I had a real bad go like maybe six weeks ago or something. That's why I had to go see the psychiatrist. Um, that's when your brain's lying to you. When you're in that state of, dep- for me, when I'm in that state of depression and I'm like, God, my family thinks I'm worthless. My friends are annoyed with me. Like I, I, I'm I'm such a loser compared to everybody else. I have to go, I'm having the thought that I'm such a loser compared to everybody else. And I also have to realize I'm in a deep depression. Mm-hmm. So even though I feel this is true, every part of me feels like I'm a loser, the logical little sliver left in my brain has to go, yeah, but you know, that's just the depression. And then I have to go, I know, I know that's just the depression. It's like, yeah, so don't, don't worry about that. Cause once we get that figured out, like I have to do that to myself. That's, that that's what I have to do because yeah. your, de- your brain on depression is your brain line to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that you bring that up. And also the toxic positivity piece, because that for me, like, I feel like looking back, right. You know, when we go back to our lowest moments where we kind of like try to reflect back and say like, where are, where we are right now, looking back to this, like, how was I that way? Like what contributed to me being that low? Like, I'm always very mm-hmm. interested in that for myself, like mm-hmm. in terms of just like, you know, when I'm having a bad day or when I'm not in a good mood, because we're all human and we all are like that. Like you said, like, who is this person who's just like always happy? Like, how is that real? Are they, are they real? Like, is this a thing, you know? So I feel like that, that makes a lot of sense to say that because I feel like it is damaging, right? When we're trying so hard, like, all right, no, like, no, like I should be happy. I should, I should feel this way because, because this and this and this, and all these things are in place and I should be like this, but I love that you bring that up because that is, so damaging to like, be so like hard on yourself to a point. Yes.
1: That's what it is. Hard on yourself. It's yeah. It's what, what if you're alive, you're going to be stressed, anxious, upset, sad, frustrated, mad, all of those things. Now, if it's chronic, debilitating, ruining your life or all the time, that's not healthy, but look, it is there is an acceptance piece to acceptance and commitment therapy. And part of it is accepting, all right, whatever it is, this is the truth right now. Whatever I'm feeling, whatever this, I, they're, the acceptance piece that's huge. The acceptance piece is huge.
0: Yes. And I I agree with you a hundred percent because for me, like before I had that piece, mm. I I was struggling to just put any pieces together. I was like, I was reaching for this. Well, I, I don't, ha- I would tell myself, like I'd sit, I would literally sit there coming from home from my hospitalization, getting mm-hmm. this diagnosis of bipolar one. I'd be like, well, I don't need to accept it now maybe later, you know, I don't need to do it right now. And I would, I would just tell myself these things like, all right, you know, and I I would kind of go down this rabbit hole and it would just be this rabbit hole of everything sucks. So it was very hard for me to pull myself back. And like you said, you know, when you have all these thoughts and then you have that sliver in your head that says, this is the depression. And then you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I know that that's what now when of-
1: you're, when you're in a depressive state from bipolar disorder, um, are you able to see the truth in that moment?
0: No. Or, so, or
1: are, are, is it so clouded that you're like, no, the, the my new reality is this depressive state.
0: So it, for me, it can kind of kind of go both ways. So I have moments where I can't at times. And then I, and then I have moments where I realize it and I'm like, this is happening. Like I'm this, I'll have all these dots coming in and I'm you know, feeling this way and like really, really low. And then I'll realize that. But then at the, and then at the other flip side of it, I'll have that happen. And then I won't, realize it until like a week later where I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, like when I was feeling that way, that's what was going on. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I was like, I wasn't because I feel like for me, like the thing with me is I feel like sometimes I can get so overpowered in that moment by a certain emotion that it just kind of like takes over control of me being able to feel the other ones. So if I'm, you know, in a situation where I'm like stressed out or I'm overwhelmed Um, and then someone says something and then, you know, could potentially be triggering, like, you know, I'm writing a book and right now, and I'm going to get that published. And I was, I was telling, you know, my mom about it. And she was like, well, you know, like take this out. And it was like, you know, for me, I was like, okay, like, what kind of feedback do you have? Like, what did you think of the book? And, you know, it was just one like thing was just take that out. And I I was kind of like, and, and I feel like in the moment, like I, I knew like what was going on. I'm like, I'm going to get really upset right now. Like I'm, this is like not okay. And I, I, I was literally telling myself this, but at, but at the same time, I just like, didn't have control in that moment. I just started like getting like yelling at her and being like, wow, like that's the only thing that you have to say about my whole book. Like take this mm. out, not, you know, and, and I'm like, I, but I like that though. Like I like brutal honesty and feedback from people. So I appreciate that. But I feel like at that in that moment, I, and even my boyfriend was there and he was telling me like, he's like, you don't need to be like, he's like, she's coming from a good place. Like she's coming from a good Mm -hmm. place. Like she's telling you to take this part out because this is part, you know, of something from another person in my family. And she's, she's not coming Mm -hmm. from a place of trying to hurt me or, you Mm -hmm. know, attack me or put me down. But at the time I was perceiving it that way. So Mm -hmm. I feel like things like that happen a lot, you know, like we're all have moments where I'm like, I shouldn't be getting like this or doing this, but I do it. Well,
1: I, and I, I, I think one thing I've learned a lot is because I talk to way too many doctors every single week is in that scenario. I was thinking if I, if I explained that to one of the med circle doctors, one of the questions they would likely ask me is, well, why do you think you responded that way? Mm. What is it about that feedback or the source of feedback or your relationship with your mother? that brought that type of reaction out because if you sent it to your publisher and your publisher said, I want to get rid of this section, you might respond differently. Maybe you wouldn't, maybe you would Mm -hmm. respond the same, but always asking that. Why I always chuckle every time the doctor, I bring up something in my personal life in an interview and they go, well, I mean, it's almost always, well, why do you think you feel that way? Or why is it that you, you know, it's always asking that why. And I think that's, um, that's one thing I've taken with me is when I have that reaction, like, you know, I'm, I, I have a short temper sometimes, and I have to think, well, why am I responding that way? And sometimes it goes, well, you're over caffeinated and exhausted. That's why you're cranky and you have a short temper. And sometimes I go, man, I really, wanted, I really wanted validation from my father. I really wanted him to tell me that he was proud of me. I really wanted him to tell me that he thought I was talented. And then I gave him this video to look at and he was just like, ah, I don't think you should have asked that question. And I'm like, man, all I wanted was validation and all I got was a critique. Mm -hmm. And now why does that bother me? And then I have to ask myself that and answer, honestly, it's kind of like, I guess, doing therapy on yourself. But to me, it's just getting in touch with yourself, you know?
0: Wow. I love that. I think that's, that's such a helpful point right there that you just like that question of asking why, because you know, like what you just said and how you broke that down, you know, like when I said this and like the example you gave, right. With your dad, with the video, like showing him this video and then wanting the validation and then kind of like getting this thing back where it's like you shouldn't have done that or something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, like now, when you really break that down, like it starts to go, it is therapeutic. Right. And it starts to like, get you to think like, wow, like I'm like this a lot with her. And I'm like, why is that? Then I'm like, okay, well, obviously it's probably has something to do with the fact growing up and ne- never feeling close with her, not really having much of a relationship and feeling like I was always doing these things, you know, like, all right, here I am like in school, you're in, you know, honors honor a role, like you're graduating at the top of your class and it's still like, like no reaction. So it's like, it's almost like you're doing these things. And for me, I feel like I, it's it's for me at the core because i you know the passion for what i'm doing is there and it's also the love for what i'm doing but at the same time who doesn't want their parent to like be proud of them. Who doesn't want that? I mean, I don't think, I feel like if someone says they don't care or they don't want that or don't need that, they've probably been conditioned to, to feel that way because they haven't received it for so long, maybe. So, and I feel like that's what got me to realize that. Cause I was like, why am I getting so mad? Like, why am I getting, it's like, and it's like one comment she made and I just was like, wow. So you haven't even finished the book yet. Uh And that's all you have to say. Like, there's not like, And she's like, well, I sent you a message. Like, did you, and it's like, it's just very like, like surface level, especially with mental health, like growing up and her sister was bipolar. And like, literally as a child, me growing up hearing, oh my God, she's too, she's crazy. She's ridiculous. She doesn't take medication. Mm. She's so annoying. And that was my perception as a kid. Like people who are bipolar are literally like insane, out of control people. Like, Mm. I don't know how you can live like that. And then when I got my diagnosis, her reaction to that was the same. Like what what is wrong with you? Like very like wow. negative that, and that, hurtful. That, that,
1: that would be so hard.
0: It was. And, and because I getting like,
1: the diagnosis is hard is hard, and then having the, that reaction your, from your, your mom, family, that is hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so hard. that's kind of the experience that I had. And then I remember like for myself, like I basically taught myself that I don't need to keep doing these things to try to get that validation. Cause it's not going to happen. You know, like when you live your whole life and you're like, all right, I did this and this and this and this. And it's still kind of like, it's, it's so funny. It's like, you bring up something like, oh, like I just got my master's and it's like, cool. Like we're having a barbecue. Like, do you want to come? And it's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, it's like, there's like no like reaction. And it's, and it's also kind of sad too. Like, I feel like in the sense of like continuing to search for that or like, try to get that out of this person. Um, and kind of like, tr- like wanting to be close to them, but knowing like you might not ever be. Um, but I feel like, how would
1: you feel if you never had that idyllic relationship that you are, lo- that seems like you're longing for with your mother?
0: I feel like I, I feel like we just wouldn't have one, you know, cause I feel like that's it either would have gone like, the point And how, where, how do
1: you feel about not having that?
0: That is not a good, that is not a good feeling at all. Because honestly, like I can tell you, like, cause I know like w- when you have conversations, especially like with about mental health, right. So like, say you get a diagnosis and your family is like, wow. Like I, kn- like, I know you're like that. And I can't, you know, and I literally remember her being at one point, like, I can't wait till you have another breakdown. Like I can tell, like, this is how, and, and I was like, and I would just, tell myself these things to kind of like get myself through it. Like maybe she doesn't mean it, you know, maybe she's having a hard time. Maybe she's, and I was kind of like justifying like her treatment of me on, she has a lot of trauma that she never resolved. So it's coming out towards me. And I feel like I was trying to do that in a sense to like, I guess, like protect the relationship we did have, because I feel like if I didn't do that, it would have just gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, like we can't be in each other's life. And that is not what I wanted because, you know, she's, she's an amazing person. And it's not like, and now we're in a much better place, but it's like, I don't want to come on here. Like my mom sucks, blah, blah, like all this stuff. But it was really hard, you know, being so young and like getting this diagnosis and like having no support. But then my dad was extremely supportive, always has been. And, you know, it was hard, you know, and I feel like that's kind of experiences that I hear, like in these groups that I'm in, like these bipolar support groups, other people will tell me like, Oh Yeah same thing happened to me. Like I, my mom knows about my diagnosis and is like, you're just all of this stuff. Like you're crazy. You're not like, I don't want to be around you. Like, what is that? And it, and it hurts me. It hurts me because it hurts me for them because, you know, I can tell like they're struggling with that. Like I, they want to have a relationship with their mom, but they're like, you're cast out basically. Like we don't, you're too much to be around. And I remember like hearing those words from my mom, like talking to her about my book and, you know, hearing her say like, cause she knows that I'm writing this book. And then I was like, Hey, like, I just want to call you real quick and let you know, like, I'm doing this writing this book. What do you think about it? And then, you know, I told her, I'm like, listen, like there's going to be some things in here that you're not going to like. And I feel like I've spent so long, like trying to like, protect her in a way cuz i like i i don't know what it was and i'm like listen i'm like i also understand that i was very hard to be around so i'm like i'm not writing this from a place of like oh i was perfect and my mom sucks like i'm like no i know that i was very difficult to be around because i was suicidal and just in a terrible place um and the words that came out of her mouth were well you know, kind of like, well, you were really hard to be around. And I, and it's like, I have to go because the construction guys are here fixing the floor and I can't, I can't get into this. And it was like, and it just was like, wow. Like, it's like when you're trying to like, like communicate, like, Hey, like, this is kind of like the impact, the things that you did to me had on me growing up and like, and I don't want this to continue. So like, I want to talk to you about this, but then later, you know, she, she, we did talk about it and everything, but it was just really hard at the time. Like always being shut down and like again it's like I have to go like just send me the book like I'll read it maybe and you're like okay and it's just I don't know like I feel like that's kind of I guess like happens like when, we, when we're talking to people who you know have been diagnosed with the different mental illness and stuff I feel like a lot of people have struggles within their family Um, like talking about this or like sometimes like at least in my family they always wanted it to be a secret like, don't, don't tell anybody about your hospital. Like we don't, we're not going to get into this. And it was always like this thing of like, you need to appear a certain way. And I'm like, but that's not the way that I am though. Like, this is me and I can't be this person who looks good because I don't feel good. So I'm not going to look good. So, and it's like, I feel like you should care more about that than, how you're perceived as a parent because your kid was hospitalized, but yeah. So (laughs) it's like this whole thing. So, I mean, I would love to kind of ask you about, you know, like, cause you, you mentioned, you know, being nine years old and like getting that diagnosis of depression and all this stuff. So like, you know, out of everything you've done in terms of like treatment and like mindset work, like everything that you've done, like what has been the most powerful thing for you? Um, just in terms of like, dealing with a diagnosis, accepting this, like continuing to move forward. Like what has been one of the most powerful things for you?
1: Well, first, thanks for sharing all that. I I know you're open with your personal mental health and and the impacts on your family, but it's, it's, uh, it's, I know it's nice for other people to hear that because it, it, it sucks. You know, when, when you don't have that support system from the people you crave it from the most, it makes the journey harder. Mm -hmm. Um, so applause to you for
0: Thank you. dealing with that.
1: That's that's going to be a lot. And also, you know, the founder of MedCircle uh was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He wasn't diagnosed until his late 30s. Um, and he's uh, I, I bring that up because he's public with it and he's very successful and has a great family and a strong marriage and, uh, you know, a beautiful life with wonderful kids and grandkids. And not that that has to be the goal, but in spite of this incredible obstacle, he was still able to accomplish his goals. Um, And so I I just think it's in, you know, people, people have that idea, like, oh, you have mental health problems. Well, you know, (laughs) good luck. And it's like, no, it's, these are very overcomable problems. Um, You asked me, oh, so number one thing that helped with everything. Look, I'm biased, but it's education. Mm -hmm. It's education. If you're a parent out there and your kid has ADHD, you got to know about that. Okay. If your spouse has substance use issues, you got to get educated on that. If your daughter gets diagnosed with bipolar disorder, you got to go get educated on that. That's, that's, that's my opinion. It changes everything. If you know, I've never met your mother, obviously, but if your mother just watched our series on bipolar disorder, I, my guess is she would go, oh, wow. I did not understand all of this, but now I do. You know, one example is I sat down with Dr. Dominic Sportelli, who you've watched before. He's a, a psychiatrist and one of our med circle doctors, and it was for a series on ADHD. And I walked into that series thinking, ADHD is just nonsense. These parents need to get their kids under control. They need to have discipline. They're, just, they're hoping that a pill will parent their child for them. That's a lot of what my mindset was. And after that series, I mean, halfway through the series, I was completely uh, proven wrong, and it was—it's so clear that this is an actual disorder that actually affects people, and it's not just college kids who want to get Adderall to cram and study for a test, there are people suffering with ADHD and the symptoms that are with it, all in, even into adulthood, and uh, medication can be a very incredible resource for them. And so I, my thoughts changed on ADHD just from that uh, scenario are just from doing that series. And so getting, if you're not, if you're struggling with mental health and you're not educated on your mental health diagnosis, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, oh, it, it, it's yeah. that like, I, I, I almost get angry about it because yeah. you know, Med, Med Circle has one of the fastest growing mental health YouTube channels. We'll probably be at a million subscribers at the end of the year. And we put out new videos every single week. And those videos for so many people become the catalyst for change because they might live their entire life. They might've gone to see one therapist. They got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder immediately. Then they spent the next five years going to dialectical behavior therapy and trying different medications and going to group therapy and doing workbooks and all of this stuff. And then on year five or six, they watch a video on YouTube and they uh, go to med circle and realize, oh my gosh, I don't think this is borderline. I think this is bipolar disorder. And while we can't diagnose ourselves, we can bring our thoughts to our doctors. Mm -hmm. And especially in mental health, the feedback you provide to your provider is more critical than ever on getting the right diagnosis. This is not a blood test. Mm -hmm. So what you tell them matters. So your education on this topic matters. And if you can just spend Mm -hmm. a little bit of time getting educated on your symptoms or your struggle or whoever you love, what they're going through, you might be avoiding a five-year misdiagnosis in this hypothetical example. I love that. And I've interviewed people who've done that. I've interviewed people who were diagnosed (laughs) with bipolar disorder. They go on these really intense drugs for years. Mm -hmm. They have a terrible time sleeping or they have weight gain or all these things. And they're trying to treat something they don't have Mm -hmm. because they went to one doctor who made a snap decision. And nobody will care about your mental health more than you. Not Mm -hmm. one single person. You can pay your doctor a gazillion dollars. They still will not care about it as much as you. So if you are the person who's in the driver's seat of your mental health and newsflash, you are, it's, you know, it's hard, but you are, and it doesn't mean you have to do it alone, but you Mm -hmm. are the captain of the ship. You got to know what's going on. I love
0: it. I love it so much. That's, that's such a good point. And has been so helpful, you know, to me, just myself personally with what I've been dealing with as education. So, you know, I just want to thank you. Um you know, once again, for, you know, your time for coming out here and having this conversation, this has been so much fun, you know, just getting into this topic. And I always love when I can find other people who love talking about this just as much as I do. Cause I know some people are kind of like, wow, like she gets really, really real. And it's like, yeah, because it's, you need to, to help people. So you know what, Kyle, just thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to put this episode out into the world And hopefully we can do some more things soon and collaborate. But before we get out, get off this one, just go ahead and tell everyone, like, where can they find you? Where can they uh, connect with you?
1: Well, who cares about connecting with me? But you (laughs) can go to MedCircle.com, M-E-D Circle.com. Also go to YouTube and just type in MedCircle. You'll see all of our content there. If you want to check out our video library, it has more than 500 uh, interviews, docu-series, uh, patient spotlights. You go to watch.medcircle.com. You can download the MedCircle app for free and watch series there for free. Um, I would love to give your listeners a coupon code so they can get a discount on their first month if they're interested.
0: Yeah, of um, course. Maybe you
1: can put those in the show notes or something.
0: Yeah, and, we can definitely um, do that.
1: And all my personal social medias at Kyle Kittleson. Um, and then MedCircle is at MedCircle and maybe MedCircle official somewhere. Anyway, if you Google MedCircle, you can find us. Yes. But, but, but try it out because here's the other thing just to pitch MedCircle. Yeah, we have all these videos you can watch. But the, a real another phenomenal core offering is that we offer weekly classes that our members can attend live. And they're, they're, they're not huge. It's not like there's thousands of people there. So there are more intimate settings where the same doctors you watched in the videos are there to answer your questions on whatever topic we're going. Wow. Over. So it's not treatment or anything like that, but it is that clarity, that education, that understanding that you can get week after week. Um, yeah. So check it out. I mean, I, I have, I, I am a believer in the product because I have seen how it has changed my life. I see how it changes our members' life, lives. And when people finally make the commitment to themselves on, all right, let's go figure out what bipolar disorder is and what it's not. I mean, it really is powerful. So I I, love it. Everyone. Yeah. Thank you
0: you guys. Of course, go check him out. And I, you know, I just want to end it on this note, guys, wherever you're listening, whatever time it is, I hope that you guys are having a great day. I hope that you have a great rest of your day or evening or whatever time it is, but I'm going to end this one. So bye guys. And bye, Kyle. Bye. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at master your mental, where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.